You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for tuning in. You'll hear us talk a lot during WDET's fall fundraiser about the value of not-for-profit journalism in our community. We also work with a number of other nonprofit news organizations as part of the Detroit Journalism Cooperative. The DJC is working on a big project right now asking, how's Detroit doing three years after the city's historic bankruptcy. Today, we're talking with some of our partners in the DJC about the work they're doing and why non-commercial sources of news are so vital for our city In our region. Joining us in studio is Sandra Swoboda. She is the WDET Special Projects Manager, Nancy Derringer, who is Bridge Magazine reporter, and Ed Moore, who is the Detroit Public Television's Director of Content and of the Detroit Bureau. Sandy Nancy and Ed, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Hey, thanks for Great. having us. Yeah. So I'm going to turn the question back on you guys. How's Detroit doing? <laughs> <laughs> depends who you uh, ask. Depends on who you ask, it's, right? Exactly. I, 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 I'm joking there, of course, but but I do think it's one of those questions that, um, you know, it's a Rorschach test of, of sorts, right? It depends right. on who you're asking, where they live, what they're doing, essentially what seat they're sitting in for all of the things that are that are changing around town. And I think everyone agrees that things are changing. It's just a question of whether that change is reaching all of the people that it should in, in a positive way, right, yeah. Nancy? Okay. Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. And, you know, I I am not a Detroiter. I, I am a transplant. I live in um, an inner ring suburb, so give me a little bit of credit. Um, but I have a you know, the people, my neighbors in the gross points, they think Detroit's doing great, you uh-huh. know, and, but of course they come downtown, they go to a game, they go to a play, they go to whatever, and they don't see the rest of it. Um, but I think, you know, as that project that, that your other employer, the Free Press published yesterday indicates there are enormous <laughs> swaths of it that are just not doing very well at all. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're working, Bridge is working on a project now where we're looking at uh, several neighborhoods on various metrics. And, you know, what that has shown is that, uh, how to put it, it's it's not that the decline has stopped, it's that the decline has slowed. Yeah. And so I believe that there is reason to have hope about even the poorest neighborhoods in the city, but don't get distracted by the boom in the central, in the yeah. core. And it's hard. I mean, I, I think there there is a legitimate difficulty in seeing all the things that go on downtown and in Midtown and not ascribing to that this idea that Detroit is back. I mean, if, if, if that's what you do, if that's how you interact with the city – you can't really be faulted, I think, for, no. for for thinking that. At the same time, you know, uh, how many people actually live downtown? I mean, the numbers are still quite low. How many people live in neighborhoods that never get to downtown and, and that it's impossible to even, uh, if you wanted to get a job downtown, it's really hard to get, uh, to get back and forth uh, because we have no mass transit. I mean, uh, that gap is not just, uh, it's not just represented in, the difference between the two areas, but the distance between them. And, right. and not physical distance, but just sort of cultural and social distance, uh, Ed. Yeah, uh, you know, to Nancy's point about, you know, every, you know, a lot of people out in the suburbs are thinking that the downtown is doing so well. But you know, in case in point, we're going out to Brightmore 
uh, this evening, which uh, you're taking part in, Stephen, as part of as uh, part of American yet another of my jobs. <laughs> <laughs> on Detroit, you'll Public be taking off your DET hat, putting on your American Black <laughs> Journal hat, <laughs> and we're going into Brightmore to like look at education and and to look at the you know really the the devastation that's been wrecked on the school system there. Um, so, uh, and that's an area of the city that uh, last time I checked, I think has. No high school, is that right? Or they've is got there one, one high school, yeah, and it's a charter There's school. A, one it's is a charter even, school, and they've got one uh, Detroit public school, right. which is Gompers, right? So there, there's, and, and this is where you know nonprofit uh, public journalism, I think, really benefits the city because we're going in to really take a look at not just the fact that wow, education's really you know suffering here. It's all looking at all the underlying issues, yeah. the absenteeism, the the lack of uh, mass transit to help get these kids around. And when, when there's no schools, where are they going to go to and how do they get there? That's, that's a, a real big issue, a real big concern. Um, mobility, these kids are just moving from, we talked to one lady in our uh, social engagement leading up to the road show who's had four kids in 21 different schools. Oh wow. my gosh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So these are the kind of, you know, really big endemic problems that are going on outside of Midtown. Yeah. And, 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 the, the question of how is Detroit doing, I think it's a big enough and large enough and important enough question that takes all of us, all the DJC partners together in a year-long study to really, you know, even begin to scratch the surface of that question. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, one, of, one of the things I like about us all asking the question is that everyone has an answer. And so and whether you're the mayor of Detroit, whether you're the, you know, in a, in a federal government position, you know, coming in and working in the city, or whether you're a longtime resident, or you're somebody who's spent 30 seconds in the city, you have an opinion and an observation to share with us. And so part of the way we're doing this project is to really work in a lot of those voices and opinions and visions because, right, there's no such thing as a wrong opinion. Is that fair to say? I don't know, but in this day and age. Yeah. But, but it is something that people can come into this project in various different ways with their observations and experiences too. Yeah. Uh, Sandy, when you talk with people in the city, and I know you do that uh, uh, quite a bit, sort of compare their outlook to the outlook that we had coming out of the bankruptcy. You did some of the most important work uh, during the bankruptcy, sort of looking at the ins and outs of uh, all the agreements and the deals and the restructuring. When you talk to people in the city now, do you feel like the desired effect of all of those things is is sort of present in their lives. So yeah, we did. We, I'm having flashbacks to 2014 now, and and I think one of the other things we did that was really important was WDET and our partners in the DJC partnered with nonprofits in the city, and we did 12 different community meetings. No wonder I was tired. We did 12 different community meetings in 2014, where we went out into coffee shops and grocery stores and community centers, and we presented in part what was the latest and greatest in the case and what those, those new deals were unfolding. Uh, and then after the case, we did five meetings along a range of theme areas like city services and public safety and what were the conditions. And I think even in 2014, when the case had been going on for months or a year, people were really starting to see at least a few changes. And there was that idea that things were getting better. So whether that was a well-orchestrated political campaign to have <laughs> <laughs> things like garbage picked up and lights turned on, you know, people were appreciative of it. And Sometimes I think now in hearing from people, like, for example, on primary election day, I talked to eight people before somebody mentioned public safety or crime as a huh. concern. And 
You would not have gotten that two or three years no, ago. WDET no. did the Detroit Agenda Project then, and public safety was a, a huge concern among residents. So as we're ramping up the How's Detroit Doing Project in advance of the November general election, we'll be asking these questions. It'll be interesting to see as we track what residents are telling us their concerns are. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about not-for-profit journalism in the city of Detroit. And we want to hear from you. How is Detroit doing? How do you feel Detroit is doing? Uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. Your city. Your town. Your voice. 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Sandra Soboda. She's the WDET Special Product Projects Manager. Nancy Derringer is a reporter with Bridge Magazine. And Ed Moore is Detroit Public Television's Director of Content and the Detroit Bureau. Together, they make up part of the Detroit Journalism Cooperative, a nonprofit effort to tell some of the stories here in Detroit that maybe mainstream media is not really getting to in depth. Support for WDT's work with the Detroit Journalism Cooperative comes from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, Renaissance Journalism's Michigan Reporting Initiative, and the Ford Foundation. We are addressing the question that the DJC is addressing right now, which is, how is Detroit doing? How are we progressing after the historic bankruptcy of uh, 2013 and 2014? Um, are we headed in a positive direction? Are we headed universally in any direction? Are there uneven gaps in the progress that's being made in the city of Detroit. We want to hear from you on that question. How do you think Detroit's doing? Uh, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Charlie in Southfield, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Yeah, go ahead. Um, as a business owner in Delray for over 33 years, um, I'm not seeing it. Um, I wish I was. Crime certainly has gotten better, but the neighborhood continues to deteriorate. Mm -hmm. We've got some of the worst infrastructure in the city. Um, we see little or no city services. Um, the houses continue to deteriorate, and I wouldn't say the demolition is as good as it could be, mm -hmm. but it's probably gotten a little better. I mean, I think the biggest issue the city uh, faces, aside from the type of jobs we used to have, um, is uh, education. No one, you know, families aren't going to move into our city without decent schools. Yeah, and that Absolutely. just fundamentally, to me, is is kind of the key to the problem the city faces. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Charlie, I want to ask you about Delray. For those who are maybe not familiar with it, is is a, a small community, pretty far. Southwest in uh, in the city of Detroit, it's also home to Marathon Oil uh, and and some other industrial uh, occupants of of Detroit. I I wondered, Charlie, uh, if you can talk more about that interplay 
in Southwest Detroit. Do you feel like there is enough attention to what the future of Delray could look like, given the changes that are going on at Marathon and DT mm, and these other really, places? No, not really. No, I mean, unfortunately, money talks, and you know what happens to the other stuff. <laughs> and, um, you know, I mean, I'm so glad you didn't Mar- say that on the air, Charlie. <laughs> but I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Marathon, uh, you know, provides a lot of taxes. So do. So does Zug Island. So does probably the wastewater treatment plant in terms of payroll. Um, they're not going away. Um, it's unfortunate. People have, you know, probably gotten bad diseases and higher mortality rate there. I think it's one of the highest in the country. Um, but that's what we built as a city. I don't, unfortunately, see it go away. I mean, regulations enforcement has helped, but it's not going to totally take away the problems. Yeah. No. Yeah, Charlie, I, I appreciate the call uh, and and the comments and and I think Delray is you know one of those neighborhoods that a lot of people who come to Detroit and visit don't think of because there is not really a reason. No, to go it's there. very far off the beaten track. Yeah. You have to you have to work to get to Delray. Yeah, but he's absolutely right about education. I mean, if you look at the demography of who lives in Detroit, it's there's this giant yawning gap in the middle. Um, you know mm-hmm. the 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 hipsters and the Wayne State students and all the cool people in the core are they're the easy ones yeah. okay um, the old people who are left behind or the empty nesters the wealthier empty nesters who've moved down you know to be closer to their offices downtown they're easy too um, the hard the hard part is the thirty to fifty fours the yeah. people who are raising children and you know the reason. The reason I am not a Detroiter and I am a suburbanite is because when we moved here, I needed a functional school you system. You need schools, right? Yeah, exactly. And if you don't and, have, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars to pull out of and, your and pocket I, every and year, and we for decidedly did school. not have that exactly, right. and so um, that's why, you know, that's why we are are in the gross points. We needed an excellent school system, and that's what we got. And I'm very grateful that we did. But, you know, I would every so often I ask my husband, you know, let's our kids off at college. It's like let's get out of here and. You know, that's, <laughs> of course, now the real estate You're, prices are very right. high. So, yeah. downtown, right? <laughs> let's go to Tom in Southfield. Tom, welcome to Detroit today. How are you all? Good. How are you? Fine. Um, you know, there's kind of a, a quiet legacy uh, from the uh, bankruptcy. Um, those people who worked for the city whose pensions had to be cut and mm-hmm. kneeled down in the bankruptcy. And at the same time, they were giving $280 million to the, uh, to the Illich organization to build the hockey stadium. And you, you think about those people and, and the cash flow that could be coming out of those people for, for you know, this livelihood and everything that would help sure. to some degree to help the city. So you got a bustling downtown uh, with the hockey stadium and everybody's talking about that. But kind of a, the hidden piece of, of what's going on is those people who are, you know, 10, 15 or whatever the number is short of their their pension funds when uh, right. the Downtown Development Authority got the money from uh, Tom, tax that's dollars. A, Tom, that's a... That's to, a... Uh, that's a really great. That's a really great parallel to draw. I'm I'm glad you called and did it, uh, Sandy Svoboda. You you paid a lot of attention to pensions and what we did with them uh, during the bankruptcy. Talk about where we are with that now. Well, it was interesting. I was thinking back as um, Tom was talking. It was about a third of the Detroit retirees still lived in the city of Detroit. I mean, that was some seven thousand people. I forget the exact number, but I think it was about seven thousand that lived in the city. And I think a lot was made during the bankruptcy about the retirees from the city who lived around the state as a way of leveraging votes for the grand bargain legislation. That was an important piece of it, too. But there's still literally thousands of Detroit retirees and employees 
uh, living in the city of Detroit, and so their futures are tied to the city's financial future. Uh, now, I will tell you, I attend most, not all, but the Detroit Financial Review Commission meetings. They meet monthly and they review the finances for the city. That's the state commission that is also now looking at the school district. Um, there's a fairly rosy picture on on the finances, some surpluses, but it's also definitely not out of the woods. And those, those pension payments that are going to be due in a few years are something that the mayor and his administration and the state are looking at and how they will fill that gap. So uh, I, I'm an optimist by nature, but I don't. I definitely do not want to overlook to Tom's point about retirees or the long-term financial sustainability of the pension funds here. Yeah, uh, it, it does seem like we're going to need to find a way to raise more money uh, for that. And you know, as Tom points out, when we want to find money for stuff around here, we always seem to to, to be able to do it. But uh, pensioners don't quite rank alongside new stadiums. No, and I will say that one, it got a, I wouldn't say it got chippy at the last meeting, but the issue was definitely raised about the collection of what we call reverse commuter, and I don't really like characterizing that way, but people that live in the city and work at jobs in the suburbs, yeah. their, their employers are not collecting their Detroit city income tax like it's done automatically in the city. And so- Big Perhaps mm-hmm. it is a big problem. It's a lot of money, and so the the reporting systems are better. The city has been tracking that better through federal records, uh, but that is something the state could directly do to help Detroit out. So while we're hearing a lot about auto insurance reform, which I do not want to downplay the importance <laughs> of that either, right. but that income tax collection is a is a step the state could take right now. Yeah. Am, am I still on? Uh, yeah, yeah, go ahead quickly, Tom. Are, are they going to uh, ever try to? fund money back in to cover that gap that the the pensioners lost? I mean, we raised $180 million to save the DIA just from people contributing money. Right, right. They were $180 million short on the pensions. At some time, is anybody going to ever reject money into that pension fund? Because I have a friend now who's collecting less than his pension now. They made him retire from the water department. He still works for the water department. Tom, again, thanks for the question. I'm not sure what the answer is to that. I I don't think that there is a plan to put that money back, right? Uh, there are discussions about how exactly to use fiscal year surpluses, and there's the plan to build contributions, but um, it's something that the city's looking at going yeah. forward. Okay. Uh, Sandra Sabota, WDET Special Projects Manager, Nancy Derringer, reporter with Bridge Magazine, and Ed Moore, Detroit Public Television's Director of Content and the Detroit Bureau. Thanks for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's going to do that for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will, too. This is 101.9 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. See you tomorrow.